The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. W. Robert Godfrey. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Please turn with me in the Word of God to the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 10, we're going to take up the reading at verse 17 and read down through verse 31. Mark chapter 10 at verse 17. Let us hear God's own word. And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now at this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So far the reading of God's word. Well, we have the uh, privilege as a community to begin a new semester of study, a new opportunity to work on those skills which will help us be more effective preachers and teachers of God's Word. And hopefully you come at that task eagerly. Uh, After all, it's early in the semester. You should be well rested for a moment or two. Um, And with a, a real desire that you should know God's Word better so that you will be more effective in preaching and in teaching that Word. 
and with a real desire to know the end of the word, the, the point of the word, which is that we might be followers of Jesus. And so on an, several different points, I thought this might be a useful text to look at. Probably many of us have heard a number of good sermons on this text. Uh, but it strikes me that uh, this is a particularly challenging text and challenges us as we think about studying the Word of God. Um, it's challenging because it's been misused in so many ways. It's been misused to justify monasticism, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. It's probably been used to uh, justify a gospel of health and wealth. You shall have lands and family, blessings in this life. That's a pretty good text that can justify both things, both monasticism and a health and wealth gospel. And it reminds us what a striking, wise teacher Jesus was. And I think should strike us that too often we make him a little predictable and a little dull. He's never really predictable, and he's certainly never dull. And he isn't in this passage. This is a story that's told in all three synoptic gospels, but curiously, Mark, as we know, who is usually the briefest of the teller of stories, has significant details added here that are not in the other gospels. And these details tend to be particularly details of emotion. He begins the story a little differently. As Jesus was setting out on his journey, his journey to Jerusalem, where he would die, a man ran up and knelt before him. The other gospels just say a man came to him. But here a man runs up to him and kneels before him. Here's a man on a mission. Here's a man with a purpose. Here's a man who's extraordinarily eager to have an opportunity to speak to Jesus before he takes off. And he begins speaking to Jesus, honoring him. He's honored him by running up to him. He's honored him by kneeling before him. And now he honors him by saying, good teacher. And, and that first word of the exchange is, is something of a window into this text. Because this text logically breaks down into three points. You see, I'm doing the work of the practical theology department right from the beginning of the semester. Uh, this text is really about a good teacher, about a good man, and about a good God. Good teacher. Uh, we don't know what this man knew about Jesus. He must have known something for him to be so eager to approach him. He must have known something about Jesus' reputation, something about his reputation as a teacher, maybe something as a reputation as a healer. Perhaps he's heard that Jesus is going to Jerusalem and thinks he won't be around much anymore, so he better get his question in. If he'd been living today, he'd have said, good teacher, I just have a quick question. Anyone who's ever spoken at a conference will be approached by people who say, I just have a quick question. I'm always tempted to say, I'm only taking slow questions today. He just has a quick question. He sees Jesus as a good teacher. He, he, he maybe has sensed something of Jesus' character, not just his reputation. It's interesting, isn't it? Verse 21, Jesus looking at him, loved him. 
That too is uh, a distinctive point that Mark makes. Uh, Jesus looks at this man. We don't know exactly the nature of the love, but, but maybe Jesus looked at him and, and saw a neighbor. Love your neighbor. Maybe he looks at him and sees another fellow Israelite in need. But in any case, Jesus has the character of a teacher who loves those who approach him. And what we see in this is also that this good teacher is a very clever teacher. And that's where the interest in Jesus should always be aroused in us. This is very interesting to watch the way in which Jesus unfolds his relationship and his teaching in relation to this fellow. And, and we need to follow that closely because sometimes I think in dealing with this kind of text or any kind of text, we too quickly solve all the tensions and problems in the text by just importing our systematic theology or our biblical theology and flattening it out nicely so we manage to make every text sound like every other text. If we only needed one text, God would only have given us one text. We need to really focus in on texts and, and let their distinctiveness, their uniqueness emerge in the course of our sermon. Of course we have to relate a text to its context, to systematic theology, to biblical theology, but we have to let its uniqueness remain. If there's a besetting sin as a tendency in some of our preachers, I think, is not letting the text at hand speak enough. So that's my challenge. That's our application today, but I'm not done. Um, this clever teacher now challenges him. Who is good? God alone is good. And uh, many have seen this as a subtle way of Jesus teaching that he's God. This guy got it right. He is a good teacher. But he's not good just because of his abilities as a teacher. He's good because he really is God come in the flesh. I think that's true as far as it goes. But when Jesus says God alone is good, he's not only speaking to reveal something of himself. He's also speaking to challenge the questioner. Because, of course, the questioner isn't really listening to Jesus, is he? Because the, G, the questioner will immediately go on to declare his own goodness. And the question he poses to Jesus is, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? In, in Greek, there are two eyes there. What must I do to, that I might inherit eternal life? And what Jesus is recognizing in this man is a man who is self-centeredly good. And so when Jesus summarizes the law as a series of questions, it's interesting, isn't it, that he mentions only the second table of the law. And I think he does that because he's seen that this good man is really a very self-centered man. And in his self-centeredness, he's really pretty godless. You know, he doesn't say, what must I do to draw closer to God? He doesn't say, what must I do to enter the kingdom of God? He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus is challenging, it seems to me, his self-centeredness and his godlessness in the way in which he responds. And this should be an important warning to us, an important point of reflection for us. Um, we're all religious, we're all spiritual, we all have spiritual questions we'd like answered, but we have to ask ourselves, are they essentially self-centered questions or are they God-centered? A lot of people ask me about the new pope. What do I think about the new pope? Depending on who asks me, I answer cautiously or frankly. I don't always immediately say he's still the man of sin. But I'm always struck by this pope and previous popes how little they seem to talk about God. Now, I don't know if this is an apologetic strategy on their part, that if they talk about natural virtue, it'll open up an opportunity to move on to supernatural virtue. It may be, but I'm off just struck how little God there is in the talk and how even less Jesus there is in the talk. And this seems true of this young ruler. Actually, we're never told he's young. We're just told he's kept the law since his youth. Jesus sees this self-centeredness, this, this godlessness. And he challenges both then in saying, one thing you lack. Go and sell all you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. Do you notice how the, the ruler reacts? I, I think our translations are a little weak. Verse 22 is translated in the ESV, disheartened. I think it's much stronger. It's shocked, appalled. Of all the things he thought he might be told, this wasn't one of them. And he goes away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, what is this? What does this tell us about him? Well, it tells us he had great possessions and he loved them greatly, that's for sure. But more significantly, it tells us he had really no interest in Jesus at all. He doesn't go away sorrowful because he doesn't qualify to follow Jesus. He never wanted to follow Jesus. He never had any interest in following Jesus. His interest was only in getting a list of requirements from an able teacher as to what he was supposed to do to inherit eternal life. This is why Jesus has challenged him and exposed his heart in the way that he has. He's exposed his godlessness, his lack of interest in the most important things. And that's why Jesus in opening up this experience with the disciples, doesn't say how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to inherit eternal life. He says how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Because the focus here is on God in the minds of Jesus. And of course, when Jesus presses this point that the wealthy don't have an advantage over the poor in spiritual matters, the 
Disciples are appalled. That's not the way they've ever looked at life. They've always assumed the rich have an advantage. And if the rich are going to have trouble entering the kingdom of God, what chance is there for anybody else? And then again, we see the cleverness of Jesus as a teacher, don't we? Because he's constantly being surprised, surprising as a teacher. And he says, well, of course the rich can't get in and the poor can't get in. With man, it's impossible. Only with God is it possible. Why do we need to follow Jesus? Not as an act of obedience that will earn us the inheritance of eternal life, but because Jesus is the only one who can lead us into the kingdom of God. That's what he's teaching here. It is only from the good God that there is any hope of possessing eternal life and of entering the kingdom of God. And the great question is, is that what we're after? Knowing Jesus, being part of his kingdom. And then Peter, running true to form and apparently saying one more dumb thing. Peter's like the guy in class who's always raising his hand to ask a question, and the whole class groans because they know a disruptive and stupid question is about to be raised. Oh, come on, you all know. You've been there. <laughs> and here it is. Peter says, see, we have left everything and followed you. Now, it's not all clear that Peter sold everything and gave it away to the poor, but he did leave it. That's true as far as it goes. Aren't you just waiting for Jesus to slam him in the response? Peter, you just don't get it at all, do you? But once again, Jesus surprises us. What does he say to Peter? Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. Except I left something out. Did you notice that? He says, Peter, everyone who, like you, has left all to follow me will be greatly rewarded both in this life and in the life to come if, if you left all because of me and because of the gospel. It's not the leaving all that matters. It's the following me that matters. It's the being connected to me that matters. It's the trusting me that matters. It's the relying on me that matters. It's the living for me that matters. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's for getting out the good news about my kingdom that matters, Jesus says. And so Jesus surprises us. He blesses us in this life and in the life to come. He blesses us with his church as a family. He blesses many of us with families, physical families in this life. He blesses us with many material things, most of us, in this life. 
but also persecutions in this life. This whole section is a a series of reversals that Jesus is bouncing us around with to try to loosen us up to see that he's at the center of things. And that's why he tells us what he's been about in his teaching at the end. Many who are first will be last and last first. I'm here to reverse things. You remember how the story just before this one, it was how he welcomed little children. And he said, suffer the little children to come under me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. He welcomes little children. The disciples thought he shouldn't, but those last were made first. This rich ruler came and was turned away because the first was made last. These disciples, who don't amount to a whole lot, are going to be made rulers in the age to come. And then Jesus, right after this passage, talks about the greatest reversal of all. He's going to Jerusalem to die that we might live. And so as we begin a semester of study, let's begin recognizing anew the great privilege that is ours to be able to study this wonderful word so that we'll be able to teach it and to preach it and above all, lead people to Jesus, to the kingdom of God, away from selfishness and godlessness to Christ-centeredness, so that many who hear us, even if they've been last, will become first. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful that You, from heaven and from your high exaltation, look down and see us in all of our misery and all of our need, and you've provided a Savior. For with man, salvation is not possible, but with God, all things are possible. And so give us a good semester of study together. Give us an increasing joy in your word, and give us an increasing eagerness to make Christ known and his gospel, and his kingdom. Hear us, for we pray in his name. Amen. Copyright 2015, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.